The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to this free episode of Hollinger and Duncan. The only place to get every episode of Hollinger and Duncan, ad-free, is on Dunkdown Prime. And of course, you'll also get several podcasts per week from Nate and Danny, or at this time during the off-season from Nate and a guest as they do the team previews. To subscribe, you can go to dunkdown.supportingcast.fm. That's dunkdown.supportingcast.fm. All right, John and I are back. This is a recording day. I think it's the same day where, where both of us are. Nine hour time <laughs> difference. Uh, but we're just about at the midpoint here of the NBA summer uh, as it is. It starts middle of July. And so we're going to pick back up uh, and do at least uh, episodes every other week, uh, John and I, uh, until uh, training camps start uh so we we got a a lot of great questions on twitter for our mailbag ready to get into that we'll probably even go over if you don't get your question answered this time you might get it answered uh, on the next show because we got so many good questions we'll probably just do that the next two but uh there are a few things uh, that we wanted to talk about here and i think this would be a great way to lead into it uh from grizzlies film uh wants to know uh about the raptors knicks lawsuit john what are your thoughts this did not need to be a lawsuit I mean, this this was something where you complain to the league office and then, you know, they maybe it results in a fine and, you know, that maybe they end up terminating the employee in question. But this is this this is not the federal case that uh, that that the Knicks made it out to be. I mean, the guy, a guy was basically accessing his synergy account and and sharing stuff with the with the Raptors because he was trying to get hired there. Um, and you know, when you're in a position like that, you're trying to get hired by another team, you generally it's tricky because you're trying to show some proof of work without giving away all the secrets. And so there's, there are, there are lines there, right? The line he shouldn't have crossed obviously was letting the, uh, the Raptors into his Nick's account or whatever it was. And at the same time, this was information the Raptors had access to. Like everybody in the league has a synergy account, right? This was not some some uh, top secret information hack either. So for, for for the Knicks to be filing a lawsuit over it seems extremely over the top. It does seem rather over the top, but I, I guess. But you think the guy he definitely did something wrong here. This is not just like oh, you know, it's technically wrong, but everyone does this. Like you know, 
straighten out your underwear, Nick's. This is nothing to be concerned about. This is actually it's actually something that they are justified in complaining about. Even it's something it's they're they're just it's a yeah it's something they're justified in in complaining about because he kind he kind of went past what the accepted standard is in the in these situations. But I <laughs> filing a lawsuit over it is like wow. Yeah, it, it does certainly seem like. And, you know, like one of the things was a scouting report on last year's Pacers. Yeah. Right. Like that's, and, you know, I I think there's some, it's unclear to me based on the lawsuit, which I'll really know. My guess would be that he was just taking all stuff that he actually created, right? Like that's, that seems like, yeah, he was trying to, yeah, trying to show proof of work. Exactly. And, and, you know, the lawsuit quotes, you know, like it says like he stole thousands of pieces of information, whatever. Like they're, calling every synergy clip a you know a separate piece of information so yeah well and and it does seem like there's hyperbole in the lawsuit of us like oh this uh Anjanu, new coach like desperately needed uh a way to get started with his player development and like that's that's why they tapped into it and they stole all this stuff from us and like that's just, it's all because the coach doesn't know what he's doing and so that that's yeah. why he was able to you know, that that seemed like utterly yeah. hyperbolic to be now if it gets to the point where it's not just the stuff that this guy did that that's that to me is much more of a problem. You know, if it's like one of the other assistant coaches did this scouting report on the Pacers and then he forwarded it along. I, I mean, I think maybe there's also something to this idea because this guy's in player development, right? Uh, um, that's my that's my understanding. Yes. Yeah. Maybe we should actually should we actually say his name? <laughs> that, that might be <laughs> that 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 could be useful. Oh yeah. So I Google I just googled New York Knicks lawsuit to uh, make sure I was pronouncing. Uh, the showman's name correctly and it's uh uh azotam or yeah i'm all i'm all messed up with my pronunciations right now being in europe where like and being in different countries where now i just any name i see i'm going to try to pronounce it with a spanish accent probably because that's where i am right now but in any event uh yeah it was funny to google new york knicks lawsuit and uh the second thing that came up was uh New York Knicks libel for $11.6 million judgment in the Anuka Brown Sanders uh, sexual harassment. Uh, So I I guess this just to me comes down to obviously James Dolan is overly litigious. See Charles Oakley, see him suing Steve Ballmer. You know, there's at, at some point, maybe you would think that James Dolan being such a shitty partner would come back to bite him. Uh, but it apparently hasn't happened yet. Uh, a lot of shitty things James Dolan has done haven't come back to bite him yet. Uh, at least out of a way that matters. But then, I mean, is it possible that they just decided to do this because they didn't like the way he was being recruited? They didn't like that he left. They didn't like the, that he should have left earlier or like that, you know, he felt like that leaving at this time put them in a bad position. It, it seems like there's just something else they were pissed off about and then they went looking for an excuse after that yeah that sounds plausible um although the the only thing that's tricky to me is typically something like that wouldn't have risen up to the level of dolan so like like what would they have already been been pissed about that yeah that this would have been an accelerant like i i don't have a good answer for that yeah um yeah, or may- maybe uh, they they have some problem with the Raptors specifically go- going back uh, years ago. Is the Bar- the Barniani trade? They're finally take that, Masai Ujiri. Yeah, and then not doing the Ky- uh, trade for Kyle Lowry because they're afraid of uh, getting 
ripped yeah. over the coals by the uh, uh, the media after the Bargnani trade. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I guess I, I mean ultimately the lawsuit is meaningless. Like, even if the there weren't, you know, I, I'm guessing that there will be there's some sort of an agreement in the NBA uh, constitution that says no, like this actually has to be decided by an arbitrator or the commissioner or something, and you know the, this will probably get thrown out. But even so, they can't prove any useful damages. Like this is just a purely symbolic act. Nobody is going to get paid any damages uh, that's going to matter to either of these organizations at all. This is like it's a big like PR stunt. Also, maybe the Knicks are just like, hey, we're fucking sick of people doing this. Everybody who leaves here does it. Maybe it's Tom Thibodeau who's like, you know, he's famously kind of that from that Pat Riley super paranoid. My Pacers game well. plans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. TJ McConnell, uh, leave him open from the outside. Um <laughs> No, no, no way that the Raptors uh, could have determined that. I, I, I don't know anything else uh, on this. I mean, it, it just it seems like a headline that's ultimately just going to end up being completely meaningless. I and I think the potential resolution is that, it, and you wonder if this was even part of the logic is that it puts more pressure on the league office to put some kind of sanction on Toronto for for whatever they did, and in return for that, the Knicks agree to drop the lawsuit. That could be the end game we're looking at. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you recall ever hearing about any kind of complaints of this ilk? No. Um, there was a case in baseball like two years ago where guys who went from the, I want to say it was the, oh, yeah, I just wrote about it. It was, it was in Grange's story yeah. actually uh, about it, which was a good story. Yeah. I you guys they had, about. they had, basically, I guess, yeah. and I guess they had retained their access to the Cardinals database and were just like completely taking stuff from it. Well, it was which the, the, the Cardinals like, the Cardinals from the Astros. Uh, yeah. And that ended yeah. up being like a $2 million. Dude, dude went to jail for like months as, yeah. as, as a result of that. Yeah. Like, that, that was like some like true, <laughs> true, true espionage in that case. Yeah. And also he's accessing like scouting reports, like notes prior to the trade deadline and like their internal strategy. Like, yeah, that yeah. was insane. Yeah. Like this is nothing, nothing remotely like that. Uh, so aren't you glad that you're out of the executive business so that you can't be uh, have a, a star player say that he will never be a part of any organization that you're a part of? <laughs> I've, I've, I made it seven years that that never happened to me. Um, they may, maybe some guys thought it, but they never said it. So, uh, yeah, interesting times in Philly. And I mean, they they gave us the playbook with Ben Simmons, though. Like they're gonna they're gonna try to wait this out and see what their best deal is. And obviously, they didn't like what the Clippers could offer them, which is. I, I don't know how they could like what the Clippers could offer them, unless the Clippers are going to offer him Paul George. I, like, I just don't know what trade truly makes sense between those two teams for Philadelphia. Yeah, I think one of the questions we got asked uh, was about, like, is there actually a deal? Oh, no, actually, this is about what's the minimum you accepted a Dame trade if you were Portland. But let's we could play the same game with Harden. I mean, to me, the Clippers can give up a couple of picks and they got Terrence Mann. Now, like, is that fair? Like, could the Clippers give fair value for James Harden? I think yes. 
Can they give value that will keep the Sixers as relevant as they would be with James Harden? And oh, by the way, also doesn't include any money going past 2024. No, like no, obviously, especially can't. if Daryl is like on this 2024 plan, like there is, there's never going to be a trade that, yeah. that's going to work under that stipulation. That, that's, the, that's the real issue. They're threading such a needle between what Harden's current trade value actually is, which I think the Clippers probably could meet that. And, but what makes sense for the Sixers strategic focus, which is to be as good as they can this year and to then be a room team next year, which it seems like they're they're really focused on that second part. Now, obviously, if they could trade Harden for somebody who had a contract extended beyond this year, that would be, that'd be somebody good who had a contract beyond this year. That would be a different story, but I don't see a way to do that unless they were somehow going to trade Harden for Lillard, which... But then it puts the onus on Portland to trade Harden because they don't need him either. No, I agree with you. It's, uh, I mean, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, once again, what did you make of the $100,000 fine for Harden? That was interesting. I didn't expect that. Um, and it seemed like they, they did, the fact they did 100 k not 150 k makes it seem like it wasn't for saying a trade demand. It was for contract de- conduct detrimental to the league, which is more a more vague standard and perhaps easier for them to defend in a grievance, but also because it's so vague, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one to me. And I, I mean, I think it probably conduct detrimental to the league is uh, such a vague standard that I think it would hold up. Now, if I'm defending Harden, I'm saying, well, that's not what they said. Like the league tried to have their cake and eat it too, to yeah. make it be like, see, we're doing something about these stars that are contracted, their trade demands and mm-hmm. threatening to show up, not show up and play. Yeah. But oh, by the way, we're not actually going to fight him for the trade demand because he didn't actually say he was making a trade demand publicly. He just shit all over his general manager. And yeah, I think that could be conduct detrimental. And of course, this is a bit of pattern too, where the team's not going to find him. Like they leave it and this is, they leave it up to the league to do it, which I think is fine. The team has their relationship with the players and, and other players. And so kind of letting the league be the heavy, I think that that works fine. So I, I mean, I think it, it'll just be a question to me of like whether the league's kind of public statements about what it is the mike bass special like trying to make it sound like it's this when it's actually this other thing where it's like well actually you said it was this but it's actually this other things and and so uh he didn't actually request a trade anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well, I felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all of my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. 
So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John invented it. Use PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the POS. It was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War I battleship, broke down all the time, just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point of sale system that you can trust, not a real POS like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online, track every sale across your business in one place, know exactly what's in stock, connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media. Get great hardware that fits your business, accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase, easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level. Today, that's shopify.com slash PER. In other news, PJ Washington is going to return to the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, he will not have, they will not have a second consecutive year of a player on a qualifying offer, just sitting out for an entire season, three years, 48 million with uh that includes $500,000 per year in essentially games played slash minutes incentives. They still could get somebody sitting out on a qualifying offer if Theo Maladon never signs. <laughs> dare, dare to dream, Nate. Uh, yeah, maybe they can, they can re-sign him if uh, the season goes awry and they, they need to uh, lose a few games down the end. So, I don't know, I, you noted this on Twitter that it seemed like there's just no reaction to this thing. <laughs> Nobody, everyone just shrugged their shoulders. It's like, eh, okay. <laughs> I thought it was a pretty good deal uh, yeah. for Charlotte. I, I I think he's a okay player right now who still potentially could be a, a pretty good player down the line. And 15 and a half strikes me as eminently reasonable for three years. Uh, so I, I like that deal for Charlotte quite a bit. You think he's better than Grant Williams? So... I think Grant Williams on an elite team can fill a specific role better than PJ Washington can. I think Grant Williams also has no chance of being more than that guy he is right now. I think PJ Washington, like, there's a chance that PJ Washington in two years could be really good. Maybe not. Maybe he's just, you know, maybe this is just what he is and this is what he stays as. But I, I just think there's more, way more offensive upside in PJ Washington's game than there is in Grant's. Yeah, I, I that's perhaps reasonable, but I, I like Grant's uh, defense. Where I, I kind of prefer Grant to PJ, but you know, I guess when you score, uh, that gets you paid a little bit. But this is only three years rather than four. It's for a team that that drafted him, and unlike 
the Boston Celtics. It doesn't have any kind of financial crunch or, or anything like that. So it, it's it seemed about fine. Seemed about what I expected. Uh, and uh, you know, if you're Charlotte, all right, you know, fine. Another two million a year. I'm sure that that's kind of where they were, and it's only three years, so. You know, it's still an extendable contract if they want to go that route, right? It's important that it be at least three years so they can extend it. And, you know, we haven't heard anything about non-guaranteed, so it sounds like it's all guaranteed. So, yeah, I mean, it seems, other than the three years, seems kind of about where I felt like it, it should roll in as a guy who you know, hasn't really established himself to me as a high-level starter, uh, has some defensive concerns, but, you know, can do some stuff on offense. Like, you know, is he... I'm kind of like, well, how, when I see him, I'm like, like, why is this guy so much better than Trey Lyles? But he is a little bit younger. Uh, but And just that kind of offensively focused power forward, to me, there's kind of a ceiling on that sort of player personally. It's also interesting for Charlotte because... Uh, well, PJ Washington, I hate, hate to say it, like he might be their best center, right? <laughs> Hopefully not. Yeah, I don't think I don't, he's particularly hey, uh, good as a small ball five, but I, we'll see what they get from Mark Williams this year. I think Nick Richards is fine, locked in as a as a backup, but I don't think he's anything more than that. Yeah, well, Plotkin and Schnall were talking up uh, how they finally have some room protection now in their their intro press conference. So, and I guess it does, you know, Charlotte, I think had some incentive to be a little bit judicious here because if you throw Washington on to next year's payroll, let's say that Miles Bridges does have a bounce back year next season and, you know, and he does like get paid his market value, then they will have a few concerns, but probably not. You know, I I think they still, even with PJ and Bridges, you know, they could probably, they're they're not going to be in danger of the tax. They might be limited in terms of using the Fullman level exception not that you know anyone ever goes to Charlotte for the Fullman level exception yeah I mean uh, with with yeah. that 31 for Hayward coming off their books I think they'll be able to handle uh bridges just fine I have them like basically 50 million from next year's tax line all right uh you want to get started here on our next question we already did that one from Grizzlies film so uh what do you want to start with here John I want to start by pulling up my list of questions um Uh, So I had an interesting question here from Dylan wanting to know what we think about criticisms in the new CBA regarding how it might limit the market for mid-tier players. And he used the examples of Dario Sarge and Eric Gordon taking minimum deals. How much do you think this changed the market for for kind of mid-tier guys? I presume he's talking about guys who are worth, say, 7 to 15 million. Not a ton, I I would say. I think... I think it's in the end, it's actually going to help guys like that because you of the salary floor at the bottom of the spectrum. Uh, and, you know, teams aren't going to be going into the season with 30 million in cap space just sitting open anymore. And so, for example, here's here's an example, right? The Dallas Mavericks are taxed out. The Thunder don't really have anything to do with their cap space. The Thunder move up two spots in the draft. Dallas sends them Davis Bertans. And now Dallas has room to use, uh, well, they don't use much of the mid-level, but they do uh, do a sign and trade for Grant Williams for that mid-level type of contract, right? So I think you know, maybe it, even if it's not necessarily going to be a team like a San Antonio or an OKC who's going to be signing guys in that sort of mid-tier area, you know, another one would be uh, Bruce Braun. Yeah. Bruce Braun, I think, got paid more potentially this year because the Pacers just 
like needed to use their cap space. And so they did. And they paid him $22 million, uh, for this season. So I, I think there's going to be some high publicized guys like Gordon where it's like, oh, you used to get the tax mid-level and you want to go to a winner and now you're getting the minimum and the tax mid-level has been reduced a little bit. There's uh, always been oh, guys and, yeah. like that, though. Uh, yeah. Well, and here's the other one, too, right? Uh, Vasilye Misic. Mm-hmm. That's a guy who I think is a perfect example. Or uh, Vizenkov, guys who the room exception now is like a real contract for someone to come in and sort of that mid-level area from Europe. That's another yeah. guy where, where – so I think that, that those changes – yeah, That yeah. expansion of the room exception is important. I'm glad you brought that up. And then the salary floor I think is even more important because you mentioned the, the Berton salary dump. But the other thing that happened was that they were able to put Bullock into the sign-and-trade for Grant Williams, which – him, San Antonio being willing to take him in, be, again, because of the salary floor, is what got um, is what got Grant Williams paid. San Antonio being willing to take in Chetty Osman is what got Max Struess paid, right? So yeah. I do think the, the it's increased, increased the flexibility uh, for teams to, to maneuver in such ways that they can pay these mid-level guys. Yeah, and really, if you look at the tax mid-level, that wasn't that many guys per season and I mean the the minimum for like those type of vets is is so high that's that's only costing guys maybe you know two three million dollars a year at the end of their careers that, those are almost invariably guys who've all made a bunch of money anyway I'm more concerned about the ability of a, a Grant Williams type or a Max Struess type or a guy coming over from Europe to get paid and get their first contract and so I, I think this provides more evidence to do that I, I think that, that the whole oh you're killing the middle class blah blah uh is Jeremy Grant does he count as middle class like yeah I think uh, people really cherry pick their examples to to try to make that point well well and I don't think they're doing it out of like malice I think it's just these are the most salient things and that was a, that was the prediction that was made and no I, I think that the players association actually did a very good job of negotiating this CBA and yeah there is this second apron and all that but that's there were three or four teams a year that were going over that and all this other stuff and then uh, when you have the ability to like get guys in trade for the mid-level now too that can allow other teams that want to do more stuff to open things up uh so I, I think that and then they actually they got more money included in BRI as well so I I think the Players Association actually did a pretty darn good job, even though it's like, oh, my God, it's the death knell, the second apron. They kind of won on just about everything else, it seemed like. Yeah, I thought they did a great job of actually making sure their guys do get paid by increasing the mid-level, increasing the minimum levels, too. Uh, So I I thought they did a great job for their rank and file. The, The extensions, I think, should provide a little more stability for teams and ability to plan. Uh, the, the widened extension bands, and so I, I, I just think it was a kind of a win all over. I, I, I thought they ad- they addressed a lot of small things in the CBA to to make things more equitable for everyone contractually, and for teams to have a little bit more stability as much to the extent you can when when trade demands obviously can can upset the apple cart so easily as we've seen in a couple places but it, this at least gives teams a little more uh plausible stability with the ability to extend guys out and extend star players 
And I think that's, I think that part is really important. Uh, yeah. And I guess I think, I mean, to me, the owners kind of screwed themselves by prioritizing this whole second apron, which was kind of fixing a problem that didn't, to me, particularly need to be fixed. Like, I, I thought that the, like, quite frankly, it was a pretty good form of wealth transfer, which is now not going to be there for these smaller market teams that were complaining. And when you're at like a five or six X, right? Like, we're not talking about, I think this is the thing that was always missed, right? It's like, oh man, the Golden State Warriors have a three. $300 million payroll and everyone else is at 150 so like they can spend double like their team is twice as good no it's not like they have basically like one more player like their payroll in like actual dollars is like 30 or 40 million more and yeah. they just have to pay 150 more and oh by the way that goes right into everyone else's pockets so to me that would i i would have felt great about watching teams do that like yeah golden state brooklyn that's like you want to go ahead and and clippers you want to spend this amount of money like it's not even working <laughs> really right like so many most of the teams that were going to that level like weren't even coming close to championships like i would have loved it as a small market team to just cash some checks from teams that were doing that i think there was a subset of owners that just didn't like looking cheap mm. and i think that that was a a factor well i think it's also just outcome-based decision making like if golden state doesn't win the 2022 championship we're not there like there i don't think there is this groundswell i, I think I you're right about that there. right like yeah if if the grizzlies had made the finals that year out of the west like yeah then, then that that wouldn't have been a thing i think you're totally right about yeah. that and like for that year like the clippers didn't even make the playoffs the nets were out in the first round bucks lost in the second round there's and you know, lakers were they didn't make the playoffs either that year like they're one of the highest spenders um okay this is an easy one i'll just take this quickly from josh okay josh asks how does a traded frozen pick from a second apron tax team work uh it does not work you once the pick is frozen it cannot be traded and the way it works is there's no possible way a frozen pick can be traded the only way a pick gets frozen is if at the start of a league year you are over the second apron then your pick seven years in the future cannot be traded and any pick further than seven years in the future can't be traded either so basically as soon as the pick would be eligible to be traded it is then frozen and cannot be traded and then you have to later unfreeze it by getting out of the second apron for uh, uh by the end of the season or, or a period of years we don't have to get into that but basically there's never going to be a circumstance in which a pick could be traded and then frozen they engineered it so that could not be the case yes uh okay uh, that was an easy one here Let, let's let's do this one uh, on uh since you brought him up on the last question damian lillard what is the minimum package that you would take from miami for damian lillard i think i think we're already at that point and what i mean by that is i think i think we're at the point where miami's best deal is the best best offer is the best deal that portland is going to get and portland is incentivized to wait and see if they can do better but I don't think they're going to be able to do better. And at some point, this is going to be the deal they end up taking where it's either three firsts in Hero or four firsts because Hero is going somewhere else for a first round pick, right? And I, I just don't see what other team is is outbidding that. Well, we don't know that they can even trade three firsts. 
at this point, right? Because they still have that obligation to OKC that would need to be fixed. I mean, there's still, I, I guess it's really, when you say the minimum number, that's tough to answer, right? Because it's like, they're sort of like, hey, this is what a fair deal would be. But it's also like, hey, you know, having Dave Miller on our team, like if there really truly are no other suitors, then you kind of, then the best deal you would take is just whatever is better than, you know, whatever piddling offer like the Clippers or something would make you. So I like, but yeah, I think certainly if they even got to three first round picks and, or, or maybe even a swap a little further out or something, like three first rounders, especially if some are far further away, like, yeah, like given his contractual situation and age, like, yes, that's enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that. The time to trade him was two years ago. They could have gotten the the Paul George special back then, I bet. But that that time has passed. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, you know, there are teams like the Celtics, for example, right? Like there or the Sixers. Like those are teams that would, in theory, be pretty good fits for Damian Lillard. But because you've got uh, those over two years over fifty million dollars when he's thirty five and thirty six, like there doesn't seem as if those seem to be particularly interested. Yeah, I could I could still see how Philadelphia might be interested, but I don't think they're equipped to do that trade right now with yeah. with the first they already owe. I mean, they can't really do any more. Yeah, they're equipped for uh, very little. Uh, I would say, and well, and so then at that point you get to the idea unless Tyrese Maxey's in the deal, and like quite frankly, like I you know do, does. I mean, I guess you would then be flipping Tyrese Maxey for something else if you're Portland. I mean, you kind of have the same problem with him as you do with Hero in terms of already having Simons and Scoot and Shaden Sharp all there. Like, I don't love the Maxey fit with, with those guys. Um, so, like, like, then you're – and so Philly, it's like, okay, they move Maxey. Then they have enough of a package to uh, get close to Miami. So, I think it's really this – to me seems like Miami has the goods to do it. This idea that like, oh, the best heat package is just like, just shut the door, laugh in their face. No, I, I, I push back on that. Quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, th- I think that's actually the, I think that's actually the, the deal that ends up happening. Just Portland's within their rights to, you know, look, look around. They're not on any timeline. The heat are the ones who are on a timeline. So there's more pressure on them to step up than there is on Portland, if you look at it that way. Yeah, well, and certainly in the next month, right? Uh, like maybe there's another false deadline before media day or a little bit before training camp or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, but yeah, Miami does have some pressure there because they kind of don't really have a team right now. That's, yeah. that's a little bit of a concern. So so we'll see. I mean, it does seem like, is it your expectation that he will be in Miami at the start of the season? It is my expectation that he'll be in Miami at some point during the course of the season. I don't know if that's at the start of the season. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
Okay. And if you're one of these other teams, would you try to get in on this? Or is there really, like, is there another team that you, if you were running it, you'd be like, let's go for it? Uh, the only other one you wonder about is, and, and I just don't see how this makes sense for Portland is the problem. If you're Minnesota trying to do something towns for Lillard, again, you have, you have no picks you can put in. Um, would Portland consider rebuilding around the guards and Towns? Hmm. Yeah, that Towns contract might be worse than the Lillard contract. <laughs> right? Yeah. That, but, that, but that one also, the back yeah. end's a little scary, too. Exactly. Yeah. But but he also does fit in more. I, I mean, I guess they're still not going to be in position to try to win in the next two or three years, probably. I think they would like to. They have no bigs on their roster at all. I think it, they would probably rather just continue being bad and developing at this point in time. And especially if you're trying to sell the team, too, you kind of don't want that big Albatross contract on the books. Yeah. And, you know, these these other teams that could potentially do it, uh, I, I guess the, the Pelicans would be the other one where they have enough draft capital where you could see maybe how they could get into it. It would be pretty ironic if it, if it was like CJ for Dane. <laughs> well, so, so would you would you want to do that if you were the Pels? I, the problem is that it makes your team so expensive in the out years, and I just don't know if they're equipped to handle that, or rather if they have <laughs> approval to be that expensive, uh, let's say. No, I, I agree with you on that. I, I mean, I think if I were Boston, I would I would be thinking about it pretty seriously and just understanding that, hey, we probably would have to move Dame again a bit, but, uh, or Jalen Brown. But I mean, they could they could put something together with Brogdon, Rob Williams, and they could trade more picks than the he could like that's uh, but then again I, and also i mean part of the appeal for boston honestly is just keeping him out of miami because that team's yes. pretty good if he gets there i think <laughs> yeah yeah that's good wow a, a defensive trade i love it yeah well or at least you price and force on miami so that they they at least can't do anything else at least they're like wrap, wrapped up and now the next move that's out there you still have all your picks you could get in on the next move and not have to worry about them competing you know that's so yeah, yeah if i if i were boston i would be offering enough to at least make the heat throw in everything that's an interesting one now that's one that's a team that gets crazy expensive if they do that with not brown, this year though brown tatum lillard on their deals and and, and porzingis, porzingis making 30 in 2025 Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be really a two-year window, and then when Tatum Supermax kicks in, then you just you can't do it anymore. And that's also the year that uh, that Lillard's big money would kick in, and you would just you would just have to deal. It'd be like a two-year window of. But I mean, if they get him, you're, they're the championship favorites, right? Are they the championship favorites even if they don't get him? I mean, uh, I don't know. The, everything has changed so much for them. I, it's really uh, that'll be something to talk to their their outlook with Jared Weiss and I was I still don't feel a ton of clarity uh, on them. I think I think they need to make another move at some point, but they have the ammo to do that. Okay, we're we're spending a lot of time. Let's do uh we got 20 minutes here. Let's do like a, a little bit of a lightning round here. Uh let's see. I'll I'll let you pick since I just did the last. Uh MGJRB wants to know do NBA coaches in front offices watch EuroLeague? And uh, you know, we had a couple questions kind of similar about the FIBA World Cup and whatnot. In general, the answer is that NBA coaches, especially during the course of the season, just have no bandwidth to 
even watch the other 29 teams in our league other than when they're the next opponent. So watching teams in other leagues is probably not going to be a thing. Now, do they do they watch some of these games in the offseason, especially when their players are involved? Do they look at different things the coaches overseas are doing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but in terms of really tracking those leagues, that's more a front office thing. And you'll see front offices and scouts out, out at these uh, some of these World Cup games. Uh, or actually, because World Cup is so far flung and there's so many bad teams in it, that tends to be less of a focus than like Eurobasket, where there's generally competitive games most of the time. It's pretty easy to go from city to city. Uh, so, so that's always one where there's a ton of NBA people. And then just during the course of the season, I mean, I would go to Europe every year, twice a year, and I'd be seeing players for the draft, but I'd also be looking at players for offseason free agency, too. Yeah, no, I, I don't have much to, to add there. Um, let's see here. So this is from, from Colin. I can't answer this in full. It's, uh, he said he would love a pot of the intricacies of the salary cap. He wants to know about uh, the various exceptions. And you know, he's a, a new subscriber, so I, I want to get to this a little bit. So I'll say to start off, Larry Kuhn, his CBA FAQ, and of course, Sports Business Classroom, and, and some of the web stuff that they've made available over the years as well. If you really want to get into it, you know, this is a three or four day course type of thing. It took me years to like go through the CBA, read it, teach myself all this stuff. But the way exceptions work basically is you can't exceed the salary cap unless you use an exception. Up As long as you have cap room, you can use that room to sign a player. Once you're over the cap, every transaction that you make must rely on some exception to the salary cap. And I believe there are now 12 such exceptions. And so the room exception is one of those. A trade exception is one of those, right? Like if you're, even if you're sending out salary to get the salary back in, is if you're over the cap, you have to use a trade exception. Now that's, that's generated by the outgoing player. So if it happens at the same time, you know, there are rules on like how much more you can take back depending on how far over the cap you are. So there's the room exception. There's the mid-level exception. There's the taxpayer mid-level. There's the BAE. There's a rookie scale exception. There is now our new 12th exception, the second round exception. And uh, there are a few others uh, that are uh, less used. But basically, if you are over the cap, any uh, the minimum exception, that's another very common one, obviously, anything that you do requires an exception to do it. And we've kind of forget that because it's like, oh, you're over the cap, right? You can you can only sign someone to a minimum. But yes, you have to use an exception to do that. So that's just the general concept behind the salary cap uh, having room and then an exception if you are over cap. The biggest one that people struggle with a lot is that there is no Laker exception. <laughs> like they, they can't they they you know, they can't just trade whatever minimum guy is at the end of their bench for somebody else's all-star. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. Well, another one is that you cannot combine exceptions as well. That That's one that I think a lot of new people kind of struggle with. All right. You're up next here. Wenyan Gabriel for Damian Lillard. That would be a good trade. <laughs> uh, Laker guy wants to know, assuming the Lakers sign another big, who would you feel would be the best fit? Well, the, uh, the hot rumor is that they are in position to get Christian Wood, but that he's trying to see what happens in Miami because he could potentially get more money from them. And everything's kind of on hold because of that. Uh, 
Do you like Woods fit there? I mean, if they must play Anthony Davis next to another big, I guess I do. Uh, you know, they could they could use some more scoring, but it's just it's so annoying when LeBron James is a four, Anthony Davis is a five, but they don't want to play at those positions. And so uh, now, I mean, I think it, going with size like that, like if the guy's a good defender, it's kind of just a cheap way to make your defense good in the regular season. But the problem is Anthony Davis actually had a jump shot that people respected back when they used to play that way in the earlier part of this decade and now he doesn't and so he he doesn't have the offensive skill level i'm sure he would love to play power forward so christian wood at least can shoot the ball but he doesn't really provide much in terms of defense right like christian wood isn't going to guard the other team's center so in terms of guys who are going to guard the other team, like i mean i like him just as a okay here's the guy you can throw out there some offense maybe you can play some pick and roll in the second unit whatever like uh but in terms of guys who actually are you know would be a good fit next to anthony davis you know you're looking for like a brooke lopez type of guy and of course that sort of player isn't available at some point in time yeah it's interesting because the lakers have all these fours but yeah they don't they don't have a legitimate five on their team other than davis yeah i mean maybe real to me i'm more concerned about just someone who can be a backup center like that that's more what i'm concerned about than can you play with anthony davis because you just shouldn't play anthony davis next to other big and uh yeah i mean i'm not really sure who's out there at this point the center market is uh tristan thompson through oh he's available <laughs> i know this comes as a shock he played three and a half minutes worth of defense on Nikola Jokic. Yeah, sign him up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and a lot of these centers that are out there are also kind of undersized guys. Uh, you know, would you, like would you know when you look at like you know Taj Gibson or Jamichael Green or guys like that. Uh, Biombo is probably the one who probably closest fits to what we're talking about. In terms of somebody who's legit center size and come in and play defense and yeah. really push Davis down a position, but then you're, as you say, your your spacing issues when you try to play like that become pretty serious. I still remember Gavoni like tweeting out video of Biombo shooting like 16 footers before uh, that 2011 draft, and like <laughs> the idea that like Bismack Biombo might actually be able to be like a guy who could like increase his skill level, and, like stretch out. Uh, Bismack actually is a, he's. Deserves Tri- credit for making himself a, uh, into a career. He's still a really good rim protector, but yeah. Triple-double in the Hoop Summit. Is that right? With blocks? With blocks, yeah. Oh, that was a little before my time. Wow. Yeah, no, he was he was at that. I mean, he got drafted off that game. Uh, not just off that game, off that week, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, let's see here. Which year will Luca be the top player in the league? Uh, says, uh, let's see, let's try this one. Uh, Angel, I would think it would be like, you know, Angel, could, but, but then it looks like a French name. So uh, San Hillier would be my, or Hillier. All right, anyway, sorry, Angel. Uh, but which year will he be the top player in the league? You would think it would happen at some point, but what's the year that it happens? Um, well, it could be this year. <laughs> it could be this year. It could be. Uh, I, I mean, I think like everyone, to me, the rest of the competition is on the downside right now, other than Jokic. Maybe Embiid, even Embiid's turning 30. Uh, and I, I actually think Luka is better than Embiid. Uh, we've kind of forgotten about that, but, but I, I'd love to see the next time like Joel Embiid is just rolling through, uh, you know, 60 win teams in the playoffs with 30 point triple doubles. So, I mean, he could be number two as early as this season. Uh, I think, you know, Giannis to me also, 
like he's coming off the knee surgery. He's 28, took a step back with the jumper. Like Frank Madden, I talked about that pretty extensively a few days ago. Uh, but, you know, I don't think Giannis is a lock to be, you know, in that absolute top group for that much longer. So, I, I mean, it's really, to me, Jokic. And I don't I don't know that, you know, we'll, we'll see about Jokic. Like, he's got the crown for now. He could just solidify it and be unassailable for a couple of years with what he does this season. And also, we may just not know with Luka because their, their team is still looking like it's not going to be a huge factor. No Jason Tatum? No, nah, it doesn't have the ceiling to me. Yeah, that's where it gets – I mean – Tatum's a really valuable player. Tatum's hard for me. Like he is an insanely valuable player. Like by any advanced metric, you really it really pops. And Boston's going to win a ton of games this year. But at at the highest levels, it just hasn't quite clicked. When you get to late playoff rounds, that that's the hardest part with him. Like Luca can be a one man offense even in playoff games, and that's the thing that where Embiid has fallen short too. Right. So if Luca. If Luca keeps himself in shape, hopefully, um, you know, he probably has a window here. He's going to be, you know, entering his age 25 season, basically. Probably has a window of a couple of years here where he could he could easily take that crown, especially Jokic. The thing I wonder about is if he's going to dial it back a little in the regular season, uh, kind of the way he did down the stretch last year and save himself a little more for the playoffs. Yeah, and we'll see whether the defensive concerns I have pop up uh, again or whether he'll just simply overwhelm them or or get matchups that aren't going to stress out uh, those limitations that much. What's next here? You know, I'm looking here because I had circled a question earlier uh, that actually already got answered in our discussion. So, oh, here's a good question from Mark C. Not that Hollinger would ever have done this, but how secure are supposed <laughs> wink deals? Does the level of comfort and concreteness depend on the level of player and relationship? Uh, wink, wink deals, well, well, of course. Well, well, no, he said wink deals. Those probably okay. aren't very secure at all. If there's only one wink. <laughs> there's only one can, wink, I'm the, out. The guy's yeah. got, he's got a wink back at you. That's how it works. If he, that's Houston Rockets, Brooke Lopez, he's got a wink back at you. That's how you know. All right. Sorry. Go, go, go ahead. We know, we know what you meant. Yeah, I think the relationship with the agent is massive in these and your level of trust with that agent. And some of these are more wink, wink than others. Um, but it, what it really, really the one that ones that matter are when you're getting into free agency and you're technically agreeing to things before a player can, can sign. Not that I would have ever done such a thing, of course, but your your level of trust with that agent is is a pretty big factor. And then from the agent side too, if you renege on one of these, man, that is like such a black mark. So it, it's hard for them too, and they need to know that they can trust us in the front office the same way that we're not going to pull the rug out from under them or come back and say, hey, you know what, our owner, like, eh, you know, so. It's it's weird that such massive deals in the millions of dollars essentially operate on trust like this. And I do think that's how you get, you know, a situation like what happened with Brooke Lopez, where if you, if you read the reporting and talk to people in the league or whatever, it did seem like they basically had a deal with Houston and then got the rug pulled out from them on the last at the last minute. So uh, 
it's it's just hard. It's one of the one of the negatives of how the free agent system operates. But I I don't know how fixable it is either. It's, the NBA has tried things to fix it that don't really seem to fix it. In, in terms of threatening to take people's phones or whatever because the deals are leaking out early. Okay, fine. We won't leak the deals, but they're still done. So I, d- I don't know how you fix that. Yeah, well, I think a lot of it is just the, the optics. I mean, I think this idea that you can now, after the finals are over, you can negotiate with your own team, that might actually help. Yeah, it, it, it at least... Yeah, pr- again, provides more concreteness and clarity or whatever. So, Although so what if, you, if you're negotiating that? with your own team, you're theoretically also finding out what other teams are willing to pay your guy too. And the only way sure. you can find that out is by is by negotiating with everyone else. So that's where it gets tricky. Yeah, but I, th- I think if that, at that point, like, yeah, you can still do that. But then it's like, okay, you can just, you're allowed to be done with your own team. And then it's like, okay, now that team knows that you're, you're either, if it's not done with your team, then the, your team knows that you're probably going in another direction. And if it is done, then teams know that, of course, you're not signing there. So, I mean, let's think about this. How many of these instances have there been? Obviously, there's DeAndre. You know, that, that wasn't a wink, wink. That was actually, you know, verbal commitment after the free agent period began. Uh, that was 2015. Marcus Morris was one of those. That was another one which i think was after the free agent period began there's this one with brooke lopez although again we're we're not at we don't know for sure because this was actually beforehand i can't really think of many other like reneges i mean carlos boozer is the famous one oh we're right. going yeah, yeah, we're going one. back now yeah well and recall too marcus morris after he reneged with the spurs rich paul like dumped him as a client uh, that's because right i think of the those dynamics that you're talking about where like hey like sorry people need to be able to trust me i, I think you like and rich paul of course can afford to do that in a way that but i, I could actually be very interested to see uh i i don't really know much about this agent but uh darren matsubaras who real gm list says brooke lopez's agent and yes. So are we like, will Brooke Lopez have a new agent soon? That, that'll be interesting. Yeah. The, uh, the Boozer case, you remember his agency, uh, the Palenka's agency fired him over that. And, and or, I'm sure or, they didn't take or, any, any of the commission, right? <laughs> well, that'd be an interesting question. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's right up there with, uh, with did uh did how much money did Ben Simmons actually get for holding out in the 21 season and uh is Neil O'Shea getting any any of his money after being fired for cause this is uh some of the unknown yeah. questions of, of the NBA uh you know uh Anthony Carter and his agent back in the uh the Lamar Odom deal that yeah. was long so, rumored the okay the era. okay so I, I, I want to make sure I'm reporting this correctly um so okay <laughs> Palenka resigned as Boozer's agent after that thing happened. But I think his agency and Palenka also separated and that was part of it. Um, I'm, 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 I'm trying also, to... Also, yeah, maybe he just I'm, didn't take didn't take Boozer with him when he started his own thing. Yeah, and Palenka said... Uh, and Palenka said he would not take the commission from it. See, I, re- I remember him and, his, and the agency separating, but I, I, I'm having trouble finding uh, finding a story about it from, you know, 20, it's 20 years ago now. So we're talking about something old, yeah. but... But well, we can uh, for for yeah the the twenty year anniversary of it, we can do a full like ninety minute special on it uh, next, <laughs> next summer when when we're looking for content. Okay, let's do like uh, three more here before we go. Uh, okay. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling, the collide of football pads. 
the squeak of shoes on a basketball court, the crack of the bat on a home run, the slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You picked that last one, right? Let's let's get to this one. Uh, NFL film analysis. Are there any stars that, when matched together, make a sum that's greater than their parts? Uh, he thinks that such stars are outside the norm. What do you think? Uh, 2014 Spurs. So, or is it 2015? I mean, that was well, clearly a team were, that was yeah, greater 14, than the, that one. The, 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 the one that beat, beat Miami. Yeah. I mean, that team was clearly greater than the sum of its parts. That probably yeah, one of the I mean, great I think examples he's talking in about NBA like, history. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, they didn't really have, you know, a top 10 player in the NBA probably on that team. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they still were were an absolute juggernaut. Um, I mean, I think Steph and Draymond are the two that come to mind for me. I mean, those guys really do, uh, like, fit together absolutely seamlessly um the uh 2004 and 5 detroit pistons i thought everyone's strengths and weaknesses offset each other almost perfectly uh you know in the in the backcourt where billups and hamilton could cross match a lot uh in the even in the the front court with with sheed and ben where sheed could shoot so it didn't matter as much that that ben couldn't uh, you know, for for a modern team, you might say you might might have wanted one more shooter there, but for for at the time, and I mean, they were just so tough on defense. There were just no weak links. Like that 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 was one where I, where I thought they really added up to more than the than the sum of that. I mean, there's still nobody from that team in the Hall of Fame, right? Uh, I mean, Ben Wallace has got to make it, you would think, right? I think I think Ben and Chauncey should eventually make it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. Uh, so yeah, I, oh, I mean, I guess, I, I, correction. I think, I'm yeah. sorry, we, we we I guess we missed this. Ben Wallace was inducted to the Hall of Fame in 2021. Correction. Okay, uh, is during COVID. It never happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, basically any pick and roll point. I, I would say LeBron and AD, uh, although AD's shooting getting a little bit worse, maybe they're not quite as additive. Uh, but like a- any really good defensive big who can finish around the basket and pick and roll and any guard is going to fit in, right? Like, it, But I think it's really more about like Anthony Davis, he'll fit with probably just about anyone, particularly back when, when he could shoot. Uh, Nikola Jokic is probably going to make just about anybody better, though maybe on defense it, it could be a little bit of an issue. Uh, you know, a guy who's not that balled up. Like, guys, guys who could really shoot it well, like Steph, he's going to fit uh, with everyone. Like, Steph and Draymond fitting together, like, that works. But Draymond would not necessarily be additive to a lot of other stars. So, I, a lot of times, I think it's just about the one guy being so malleable that then basically anyone who picked fits in with them works yeah. really well. Yeah. Nash would be another one, obviously. Yeah, the only thing I would say about Nash is I thought he, he really dominated. Well, yeah, but, I mean... <laughs> 
Well, so so right. Like I mean, like if you put, you're gonna play Nash together with another ball dominant guy, like there you like Nash and Kobe. Granted, that was at the like that was more theoretical because they never really played together healthy. But I don't think that that would have been a particularly additive pair. Right. Right. Um. Still would still would have helped. And Nash could shoot off the ball, but he wasn't really trying to like you know come off screens and shoot. He didn't have the quickest release. Um. You know, I would say like Jaron Jackson Jr. is gonna be very additive to just about anybody that he plays with because of his defense and his ability to shoot the ball and, and score inside yeah um so I, I think there there are a lot of guys who are like that but yeah like i mean it really comes down to me to just being able to shoot as long as you can shoot and defend and you don't dominate the ball those are kind of the categories of being able to fit well with the another star you know kd was a guy who fits pretty well with the most other stars yeah that's a good example um you know if you're going to post up a lot right like that might be something where you're not going to fit as well uh okay was that me who did that one yeah okay your turn uh interesting question from brian does it seem like it's very possible that every one of the top five seeds in the east is worse than last year oh I, d- I don't agree with that i think cleveland's better uh certainly i actually think Same boston- the Knicks too yeah the Knicks? i mean that- why would they be worse other than health they were very healthy last year yeah that would be probably your biggest argument against them they're still coming uh, back you, at the same so time dante's yeah. gonna help them yeah i would i i think there's maybe the Knicks are more the same i don't know i don't, I don't know if they're like yeah, I, I mean, I just think they're young enough, like with Cleveland, just to get a little better. And Cleveland, Cleveland actually made some additions too. But you know, the Knicks got Divincenzo, who, who you've always liked, and uh, they'll have Josh Hart all year. And I mean, Brunson continues to get better; like he's at an age where he's young enough. Robinson, like they've they're they've got guys uh, who are now. There is sort of this like uh, odd year, even year thing for Julius Randle that concerns me a little. <laughs> I I think they're going to flip to being a Brunson dominant rather than Randall dominant, or I would uh, hope they does, would anyway. Does, does Julius think that? <laughs> he, he he got better. He got better last year, kind of playing around guys. But yeah. um, well, so you're you're starting to say you think Boston might be better? I think it's an interesting question. Uh, Smart and Williams for Porzingis, right? And O'Shea Brissett. I I. I like Boston to me needed one more good big and they have it now and they didn't really need another guard. So, and they could move Pritchard up into some of those minutes. Like, I, I just think the way they're set up now is, is maybe a little better than, than how they were. How about that thing where one player has the ball and then the ball somehow ends up in the hands of another player on that same team? What is, what is that called? Is that a concern for you at all? <laughs> with, with Boston? It gets, gets a little sticky. That's always been the thing with them is that, is that when things get, especially fourth quarters, that the ball gets really sticky there. Uh, I think it's a concern with Jalen Brown in particular, and that that contract is it makes you a little nervous. But uh, that that is absolutely a big question with with Boston because I mean Porzingis is a guy who's going to finish plays, but somebody needs to start them. I I was on board with the trade. I mean Jared and I talked about this pretty extensively, so I don't I don't rehash it too much, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more as we get into the the preview season here. But uh, yeah, I mean I think it's uh, whether they're going to be better or worse. I mean they might have been worse even if they had just stayed put with this group. If they had retained Grant, I would feel a little bit better. Like I just think like health wise, there's a concern, and it's just they had a consistent 
consistency and a way of playing that I I'm not sure is gonna they may re, they're gonna kind of have to reinvent themselves but they do I think they inarguably have more talent than they did last year so I, I it certainly could be the case uh yeah Milwaukee Frank and I talked about that too just like okay Middleton is back he's coming off the surgery though Giannis kind of had a weirdly down year is that regression to the mean or is the regression to the mean coming because the mean was two years ago so I don't know about the books but I, I think it's reasonable to say. and then Miami do they get if they don't get Lillard then I mean, but they were so shitty in the regular season last year as well they had a better regular season at least than they had last year and then, I mean you know, were, were we even Lillard, talking so. about Miami I, I, I saw top five teams in the east and just was going by record in my head yeah no I, I mean uh, well they were the top one in the east uh, in, in the playoffs yeah I, I mean so no I, I very possible no I think that every one of them is worse than last year I would be shocked if that were if that were the case particularly because a lot of those there wasn't like anybody just blowing the doors off with I guess Milwaukee was 58 Boston was 57 I mean just in terms of regular season wins maybe Philly could be those top three could easily have fewer wins but yeah. in terms of the playoffs I think I I don't I would be very surprised if I was like oh yeah all these teams are not as good as they were last year that would really surprise even though I I see where Brian is coming from because you can make that argument for uh, at least the top three if not Cleveland and New York yeah all right well we got a ton more questions to get to so we're looking forward to getting to that and any other topics du jour in a a couple of weeks Uh, if you're listening on the free pod hope you will give dunked on prime a shot and uh, you can listen to every Hollinger and Duncan episode plus me and Danny five days a week you can get all 30 of the team outlooks as well you get Dan Felbin's fine writing as well access to our discord all that so hopefully uh, we will hear from you on dunked on prime uh but if you're just on the free feed then uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks till then across america bp supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing jobs like updating turbines at one of our indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the gulf of mexico it's and not or See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.